Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tailors in Japan podcast. This is Leslie and Sarah, and we are so glad to have you guys along with us today. And today's episode is going to be, we might say, a bit emotional because today's episode is about emotions. I'm going to be really good at this one. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely in、uh, Sarah's wheelhouse here. Of course, both of us. Deal with a lot of emotions when we're thinking about moving to Japan. And I think this is normal. Anytime you move, I mean, I have moved a ton of times in my life. And I don't care if you're just moving to the other side of town or if you're moving across the world, there's going to be emotions. And some of those emotions are good, some of those emotions are bad. More often than not, it's a mixture of both. You've got some good emotions, some bad emotions, and everything in between. And so、um, that's what we want to share with you today because that's part of the purpose of this podcast. Is to give you guys、um, real life for us. We want to share with you what it's really like to be doing this work. And even though we're still in the US right now, I mean, we're not in Japan yet.、Um, we're currently in the process of, of getting our visa. That's, that's the next step here. But even though we're doing that and we're in the US, there's still a lot of things that we are thinking about as we prepare to go back. And so we're dealing with a lot of emotions even now. And in some ways, I would say dealing with the emotions is harder at this stage of the game than once you're there. Because once you're there, you're doing the work. But right now, we're still just looking forward and anticipating what we're going to be doing. So, we want to be sharing today with you some of the emotions that we have, some of the things that we are experiencing now, some of the things we're trying to kind of grapple with and understand about ourselves a little bit better. And maybe this will give you a better idea, not just of what we're dealing with, but with what a lot of missionaries are、uh, dealing with. Fun fact missionaries are not some super breed of Christians. I think、yeah. that's what I grew up feeling like.、And、Absolutely. Turns out we're human. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're human. And we're going to experience these emotions just like anybody else.、Um, and we have to process them. And so. Today, we're just going to be talking about again some of the emotions that we are experiencing and how we're trying to process them. And、uh, maybe this will give you a little bit of a glimpse into our lives even while we're here in the US. So, there's a lot of different emotions, obviously, when you're thinking about moving.、Um, some of it is just,、um, what's the word I'm looking for? Man, this is a pain. So, whatever that <laughs> is, right?、Uh, just because, like, like I said, right now we're doing the work for the, the paperwork and all of that. And、um, my, uh, my good friend and a fellow minister,、uh, Tad Aikawa, he's helping us out a lot along with Sanpei-san and some other people. And it's not just a pain for us, it's a pain for them too, because they have to be helping us out here. So there are some things like that that, man, this is kind of a pain or whatever. But really, there's a lot of deeper emotions. And so today, we want to deal with a couple of deep emotions that we're facing, along with a couple of kind of more shallow things, but that are still present in our minds. So, the four things we're going to be talking about today are first, sadness. You know, there's a kind of grief in leaving, certainly. We want to talk about、uh, what is triggering those feelings. Then we're going to talk about joy because there certainly is a lot of joy also in doing this work. And then finally, kind of on the shallow level, we want to share with you guys some of the things that we're going to miss as we go back to Japan, as well as some of the things that、uh, we're really excited to enjoy once again once we're back. So, We'll end on a good note, kind of start maybe on、uh, a little bit more of a、uh, perhaps depressing note, if you will. Bear with us. That's right. But, <laughs> it gets、um, better. Yeah, it, but it, it should get better. So we'll start off on the hard part and then we'll kind of move upward from there. So 
starting off, we're thinking of obviously things that make us sad, you know, the things that make it hard to go. Um, for me, I think this is not as big of a struggle as it is for Sarah. Um, that doesn't mean that it's not there. It is there. But I think for Sarah, this is a little bit more of a, a kind of vibrant emotion, you might say. And so I, I'm going to let her kind of start this off. So Sarah, why don't you share with us, what are some of the things that make you sad that, that sort of produce that sort of grief and make it hard uh, to actually take this step to move back to Japan? I think grief is a good word to use in this situation because I this time around I have really felt like we are saying goodbye to a lot of things we've held to ideas that we've had that our life was going to be like plans that we had one of them for me is probably something that a lot of people can relate to but it's it's that the kids are not going to have the childhood that I had um I grew up on a small block where it was just like 20 houses back there we're in the forest out playing every day and that is just not what life in Tokyo is it's like the complete opposite for the kids and so I have so many precious memories to me that I want the kids to experience but they're just not going to have those they're going to have their own and so that's it's been sad because I had a great childhood and so that's kind of my standard and the kids are not going to have those same experiences. Yeah. And, you know, this was one that we've grappled with before. And and perhaps for me, that's part of why it doesn't bother me as much this time, although maybe it's just because the kids are a little bit older. I, I don't know. Um, but like anybody, I mean, we grew up with the kind of concept in our minds of a sort of the American dream, so to speak, right? You're going to have your house and your little neighborhood and your community and all of that kind of stuff. And I don't mean the American dream necessarily in terms of being rich or, you know, trying to just be rich and not worry about other people. But I mean it in the sense of just, you know, the standard life that we sort of imagine. Your white picket fence, your 2.3 kids. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like just the kind of basic stuff that we sort of assume culturally here in America. And so, um, we experienced this before whenever we were living in Kojima. So when we went to Kojima, I don't think we thought about this at all. Of course, at the time, Cambria was only one and Madeline, we'd only just found out that we were pregnant with Madeline. And so, you know, it wasn't even really much of a thought at the time. Plus, we were still super young. Yeah, we were still quite young um, and inexperienced and so on. But after we had been in Kojima for some time, we were trying to decide about our, our next steps. And um, so I applied for a job in Ohio and we actually flew back. It was in May of uh, 2011 and we flew back and I tried out for a job in Ohio and also for a job in Massachusetts. And the job in Ohio actually, uh, the, the church there, they actually offered me that job. It was a youth ministry position and they offered that job to me. And man, man, that was tempting. Um, that was really hard to say no to. And But that's what we ended up doing, of course. We, we said no because we decided we wanted to go back uh, to Japan. We wanted to do full-time mission work. In fact, Sarah and I, we remember being in Massachusetts in particular, and, and we got there. And I remember we both kind of looked at each other at one point and we're just like, 
what are we doing here? It was like the first night we were there yeah. trying out. Like yeah. we'd been there for two hours and already knew like this is not our path. Yeah. And, and I will say when we once we got to Ohio, it was a little bit different. Ohio was a, a very good experience. We loved the people. We loved the church and we loved the area. And I remember especially personally as we were driving around and they were showing us some of the, the houses and what you know the housing market looked like there. And I remember driving around and just seeing these houses and the beautiful green grass, which you don't have very much in Japan, especially not in Tokyo, but even in Kojima, there wasn't much to speak of. And, you know, I I remember looking around at the, the, the yards and the fences, and I remember just imagining Cambria and Madeline at this point was born. Um, I mean, she'd only just been born, but she was there. And and I I remember just imagining them playing in the backyard, you know, on a summer's night as the sun's going down and just having all of those memories that I had as a kid and sharing those with my children and seeing them from the back porch and watching them play. And, and that's, that's a beautiful scene. And, it, and it's something that really spoke to me and something that I wanted. But that was also after the earthquake and tsunami and we had seen everything that had happened. And I think we knew how much of a need there was even more so now. I mean, after whatever it was, like nine months or 10 months that we had been there. And we knew even more so now that the gospel was needed in Japan. And so we turned down that job and decided to go back to Japan. And my point is that for me, I think that was the first time that I really had to deal with what Sarah has been talking about here, you know, like saying no to something that you really want um, that's really important to you, right? This isn't just a a personal kind of, I mean, you could say it's a selfish thing, but this is a, a deeply, a deep thing because it's part of our culture. It's part of our personal background and everybody wants their kids to experience those blessings. And so, um, you know, I think we're experiencing that kind of again this time, but for me, at least it's not quite as strong as it was before. Um, but, uh, it is still there certainly. But I would say that's probably not the hardest thing. The hardest thing ultimately, of course, is going to be family. Um, you know, letting go of your family in that way is, is really tough. And again, I think this is something that hits Sarah a little bit more. So Sarah, I mean, how do you, uh, first of all, what are you thinking of? When you think about leaving your family, what are the things that make that difficult? And also, how are you processing that? What are, what's helping you process that as we prepare to go back? Other than other than crying a whole lot, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a firstborn type A, don't want to let down anybody kind of person, and so I mean, it has been immense guilt knowing that I am taking away the grandkids um, from my parents and Leslie's parents. That's hard. I've spent my whole life living in guilt because I don't want to bother other people with my decisions so I don't you know I've done I have just gotten into the word and I have just repeatedly read Jesus words to us um, which I know you're going to reference later but I mean this is what we're called to do and so I think it's kind of like Ohio like that job there are two really good things that having a home with a nice yard and safety where your kids can play that's a good thing. Doing the work is also a good thing. And so I'm just looking at it and seeing both good things and trying to choose the better. Um, 
So I don't know. I. And I think that's part of why it's so important to be convicted of what you're doing, because if you feel convinced that what you're doing is the thing that pleases God the most, then you can take solace in that. You know, if it's a selfish thing, then it's a little bit harder to deal with. But when you really feel like this is what God wants you to be doing, and this is important for the kingdom, and this is important to bear fruit, that conviction can help you out. Because those emotions don't necessarily go away, but like you were talking about, you know, you process them by reflecting on the facts of the matter rather than just the emotions. And it's taken me a long time to get to that point, I think. Um, this has not been an overnight thing. I didn't just open up my Bible and be like, oh, Jesus says to go, so therefore I'm good. Yeah. Like, it. I have to remind myself of it. I have notes up all over our house with scripture, and I have to read them every single day because they they leave my heart. I need yeah. to bring them back in and reconvict myself, you know, take up my cross every day. Yeah. Well, and Jesus understood that, you know, he understood that, of course, um, his commands and the things that he calls on us to do are not always going to be easy to do. Um, and so I don't think that uh, it, it has to be easy necessarily, and I don't think it's easy for either of us, but you still have to do it at the end, you know. I love that song, Follow Me, that says, if just a cup of water I place within your hand, then just a cup of water is all that I demand. I've heard people say that that's like the missionary anthem. Yeah. And the more I sing that, the more I am just like, that's exactly it. And, and this may lead into the next topic we're going to talk about. It gives me joy yeah. to be able to do that. It's hard. I don't want to do that always. But it brings me deep joy to know that I am returning to Jesus what he has given to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that's an important part of processing, uh, you know, the emotions that you have. And, and I think, you know, on, in terms of leaving our family, there's a lot of different things. Uh, you, you know, again, the grandkids, you're taking the grandkids away from grandparents. And that's tough because now it's not just about you. It's also about other people you are negatively affecting other people by your decisions. And that's hard. And I think that's where that guilt comes in. But there's also the reality that, you know, you don't know what's going to happen when you're gone. Obviously, you know, thankfully right now, our parents are doing pretty well overall, but things can change very quickly, obviously. And that's hard when you think about that, not to mention, you know, other family members. I mean, none of us are guaranteed. It may not always be health. Sometimes it's just, you know, some sort of accident that happens and, and whatever. And so being so far away, that's kind of hard. I mean, I remember when we were in living in Matsudo, and this was actually the year that we were slated to come back. This was 2017. And this was in the spring of 2017. And my mom got really sick. And um, I mean, thankfully, God spared her, but it was, you know, very close. I mean, she she was very, very sick at the time. And when you're across the ocean and somebody that you deeply love and care about is in that position, that's hard because you just know, I can't do anything. I can't even be there with them. I can't get over there right now. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I will tell you at those times, you pray a lot. I mean, you do, you will pray, but that doesn't necessarily necessarily relieve some of the guilt and and the sadness that you're feeling and thinking I should be there. I should be helping. I should be you know, with them in that. And so leaving again, you realize that those kinds of things are always a possibility. Um, certainly we pray that doesn't happen, of course, um, but you, you never really know what's going to happen. I think like you said, it's not just 
illness or death. Um, my sister had my nephew when we were in Japan, and I didn't meet him for yeah. two years. Yeah, two even or the good things you don't get to yeah. share together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and you know that's that's tough. Uh, so, point being, there are so many things like that 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 you have to deal with and process. And like Sarah was saying, you process it through listening to Jesus, remembering that you are his disciple and remembering the things that he taught us. But as you do that, and this is the good part about it, as you do that, as you listen to Jesus, as you follow him, there is that sadness of the things that you're leaving behind. You're not necessarily going to not have those emotions, but what you get in return is a great amount of joy. And that's the thing that we want to talk about next. So, you know, we've talked about some of the sad things, the things that make it difficult to leave. But at the same time, there's a lot of joy in the work that we're going to do. And I think we both feel that in various ways. Um, For me, I think one of the biggest aspects of joy that I've felt is just knowing that you're producing fruit. I mean, as a Christian, that's what we're called to do. Jesus repeatedly calls on his disciples to bear fruit. I mean, this is always what it's about. When you see the parable of, um, you know, the seeds and, and the different kinds of ground, right? In that parable, one of the things that is expected of the seed that grows is for it to produce fruit. And likewise, in John 15, Jesus says that we'll, it, it will be clear that we are his disciples when we are producing fruit. And that producing fruit is to the glory of God. And there's so many other places where Jesus talks about producing fruit. And so when you go somewhere and you get to produce that fruit, you see people becoming Christians, you see Christians growing in their faith, that is a a real joy that you get. And I think it's all the more joyful because you know what you've given up to do that, you know, because you know that you've given up something behind in order to do this work and you see that fruit coming forth and it's just, it really is a joy. Um, and I think we've seen that in other missionaries too. I, I think about Brent and Sandy Rogers, and I know that they have sacrificed a lot. I mean, Brent um, died on the field. You know, I mean, he he was there in Japan and he passed away there. And uh, I know Sandy has given up a lot for that too. And they've also produced a lot of fruit. And I see that in um, our, our coworkers when we were in Matsudo, uh, Steve and, and Debbie Carroll. Debbie passed away on the field as well. And yet they bore a lot of fruit. And so, you know, it's hard. It's, it's hard, that, that aspect, but there's also that joy in knowing that you have done something that has pleased God and that shows that you are his, uh, the Jesus disciples. I think it helps to see, like, giving up that was worth it. Yeah. Like, this happened because I was here. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, God used you to do his work. You know, I mean, you think about uh, 1 Corinthians, what Paul says that um, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So it's always God giving the increase, and yet God allows us to be used in that work. He allows us to be part of producing that fruit, and that is a joy. Um, And really, I mean, I I don't know that I can describe the joy... um, of, of what it's like when you get to be there with somebody who you have seen from the beginning, finally recognizing the truth of the gospel and becoming a Christian. Um, 
you know, when when we were in Matsudo, and uh, I was blessed to to baptize our now sister now. <laughs> Her name is now um, spelled differently than the English word now, but anyway. Um, now, son, whenever she became a Christian, I mean, what a joy that was that day to be there because this has been years. This has been a years long process. And to see her finally ready, you know, to make that commitment, uh, I mean, it was such a joy. It really was to be there and to experience that together and to celebrate together. I mean, it was such a blessing. And, and Leslie so, talked about Brent just a minute ago. Brent was actually, he planted. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And then uh, they watered, we watered, and then we got to see the harvest yeah, through that. Absolutely. With Nelson. Yeah. And actually, Brent and Sandy were able to Skype that day yes. and watch, you know, and, and that was a blessing too. But anyway, you know, ex- exactly. When you're there and you get to see the harvest, you get to see the fruit being produced. I mean, you're just so filled with joy and excitement. I actually remember um, our friends, the Harringtons, um, Paul and Stacy, and, and uh, they had been working in Gunma with uh, Brother Obata, Obata-san who has worked in Japan, been a faithful minister for years and years. And uh, they were in in Guma, but they had come down and they were staying with us. Um, This was right after the earthquake and the tsunami and then the the ensuing nuclear disaster. And so they were staying with us at that time. And I remember that Paul had been doing some work with uh, an individual who had been considering becoming a Christian. And he did. And I remember seeing Paul so excited when that happened. I remember how excited he was. He was just on this kind of evangelistic high, you might say, right? And those are the days of joy. And I'm not going to say it's always that way. It's not. Anybody who's been on the field knows there's a lot of down days too, for sure. But the days where you get to experience that joy, those highs are so high and such a blessing. And the thing that's great about it is you know this is eternal. It's not just right now. It's eternal. It's lasting forever. This person who was not connected to Jesus, who was not reconciled to God through Jesus, now is. And and that's exciting. And it's not just the evangelism either. It's also, again, encouraging other people. I mean, I think we're both really overjoyed to be working with Matsudo again because we love these people. We love the, the church at Matsudo. And to be able to encourage them and uplift them, they have so many hardships in their lives too. And so to be able to give them encouragement and help them to grow and uh, just be servants there, that's a joy too. I am really, really looking forward to seeing them again. Like you said, I remember the day that we left, there's this little old lady at church who is hunched over. She doesn't speak a lick of English. She can barely hear. I don't speak Japanese well enough for her to understand me, but I remember just hugging her and clinging to her neck and thinking, I will probably never see you again. I think like we had sung the God be with you till we meet again song that day too. And that was awful. (laughs) (laughs) But so I think about her and I am just like, I am so overjoyed to think about being able to see her again and hug her and hug the other women there and see the other men there who have remained faithful while we've been gone. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a joy. It's not just an excitement like in in seeing, you know, like your best friend again. It's a joy because you know that these people really love God and they're dedicated and that they want to grow. I mean, that's part of why they want us back. And so I think to get to see them again and be with them again and worship with them again is really exciting. 
And it's also exciting, too, to think about the, the people that we have who are not yet Christians who might become Christians. You know, when I think about some of those people, um, I'm really excited about that. And again, it's not just like the generic excitement. It's a joy to think like, wow, we may be able to see these people become Christians. So there, there's a lot of joy in it, um, for sure. So I think those are some of the deeper emotions that we kind of grapple with um, on both sides of it. And uh, they're, they're there, um, but you kind of make your decisions and you stick with them and you move forward. And, um, you know, we're, we're thankful that God is with us in all of it and, and helping us uh, through his spirit to do what we need to do to serve him. So, again, those are the deeper emotions, but there are also some shallower emotions, to be honest. There are some things that they're not really significant necessarily, but you do think about them. And so we want to tell you some of the things that we're going to miss when we're in Japan. And again, these are maybe just kind of silly things, um, but they're still there. And then also some things that we're really excited about in terms of going back to Japan. Again, just kind of a very shallow level. So Sarah, what are some of the things that you're really going to miss when we're in Japan? All right, you're going to laugh at me breakfast meats <laughs> i miss sausage and bacon when we're breakfast there <laughs> give yeah, me cracker don't... barrel or give me death <laughs> they, don't, they don't really have a whole lot of really I, I mean they do have some kind of sausage but it's very different from here for example one of my favorite breakfast foods has always been biscuits and gravy i love biscuits and gravy you know a good fluffy biscuit smothered in sausage gravy i mean it's a heart attack in a bowl or a, on your plate or whatever but Man, it's amazing. But you really can't do that very well there because they don't have the kind of sausage that we have here like to make it with. Sarah has made some like makeshift sausage or the makeshift um, sausage gravy before, and it's been really good, definitely. But it is still, it's different for sure. It's not Cracker Barrel. Yeah, it's not not quite Cracker Barrel. Um, So, you know, there are some foods like that that you're going to miss, just basic things. I mean, I don't know, some other foods. I mean, to me... Steak, yes, steak. Um, you can get steak in Japan, but the kind of steak that they do is very different. They do a different kind of cut and just different meat. Um, but getting like a nice big T-bone, um, it's just not going to be the same. You're just not going to find it like you do at a steakhouse here in the States. It's just not quite the same. Oh, yeah, we got it at rest. We Well, you didn't get a T-bone, but I remember going to restaurants and ordering steak. Yeah. Like I think like it was even, like Outback or something. Yes, it was, it was at Outback. And it was definitely it was not, not american as good. no it was not steak <laughs> no it was it was not an american ribeye for sure um i mean it was good but it was not what you were kind of <laughs> sarah made it scream but either way i mean it was it was fine but it wasn't what you were really hoping for for sure um and so there are some simple things like that that you know we might miss foods but there's also just some basic luxuries of life i say luxuries but just things that we enjoy um for example I think having a big yard. Mm, I mean, they don't have yards there pretty much. The yards, if they have one, it is going to be probably about the size of your dining table or something like that. I mean, it is small. Okay, I have a story about that. Okay. One time when we were at Costco in Japan, we saw a jungle gym on display and Madeline was like, oh, mommy, can we get one of those? And Cambria said, yeah, maybe someday when we have a, what's it called? The green thing. I was like, a yard? <laughs> a 
yard. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, it's like a, a, a yard. Like, what is yeah. that thing? Yeah, exactly. Like they just don't have them there, and even even the playgrounds are largely dirt. Yeah, I mean they really don't have a whole lot of grass. So you know, there's just simple things like that that like you kind of take for granted here in the states, like having a bunch of grass. Um, and they just don't, you know, they don't really have that there. Not to say there's not some parks, um, you know, maybe some of the larger ones where you can find that, but it's definitely different than having your own yard. You can't just walk out your front door and find grass. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I think other things, even just the spaciousness, there is so much space here in America. Um, even just our houses are bigger and just some basic things like that, um, and of course, speaking English. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, we we both speak Japanese, and my Japanese is is pretty good. I mean, I preach and everything in it, but it's not my mother tongue. It doesn't flow no, naturally. <laughs> no, it does not. Including when I preach, you know, it's just it's not the same kind of flow that I have in English. I can't just say whatever I want, which. Actually, <laughs> I wrote I wrote an article about this one time. There's a, um, a kind of church brotherhood magazine over there called the Fukuinchi, and the Fukuinchi is um, it's basically just a magazine. People write different articles for it and, and such. But they wanted me to write an article, and it was about um, how basically we are stronger when we're weak, um, and, and you know obviously what Paul said, like for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And it's really, you know, all by God's grace and so on and so forth. And so what I wrote about was the fact that actually my inability to speak Japanese fluently or at the the full fluency is actually a strength. Because in Japan, a lot of people say, you know, wow, you're such a good listener and you're so thoughtful and stuff like that. And here in America, everybody says you're so opinionated, you know, and, <laughs> and like you, you never shut up, basically. <laughs> and I said, well, I remember saying it to people in Japan, like, actually, no, I, I am. I am exactly that. I'm, I'm completely opinionated and I don't shut up. And the reason I, I am not that way here is because I can't speak Japanese well enough. So I have to like really think about every single thing that I say and Usually by the time that I've thought about what I want to say, the conversation has already moved on. And so I can't say it anymore. And so it makes me look good because I'm actually an idiot. <laughs> so, um, I mean, and there are proverbs about that where it talks about, you know, keeping your mouth shut and you actually sound wise because you just don't say anything. So, You know, anyway. we joke about that, but I actually really like the idea of like God using our weaknesses as strengths like maybe he sent us to japan for a reason yeah i mean that's quite possible um at any rate though it is nice to be here in the states and just be able to speak english and say whatever you want to and granted sometimes that does turn into saying something really stupid that i regret and wish i hadn't said but that notwithstanding um you know it is nice to be, be able to to say things because i mean for example if you're at the grocery store and you know you're trying to make small talk with the cashier or you're at the hospital and trying to talk to the doctor about something or whatever it is. Like I remember when Boston got um, pneumonia. He got pneumonia very shortly after he was he was born. Yeah, and so we were at the hospital and Sarah had asked the doctor something about like if Boston was gonna like die or if he was gonna be okay or something like that. And she didn't really understand whatever his response was. I, I don't think I was in there at the moment. Um, and then when I got there, 
uh, I was talking to Sarah about it and she was like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, in fact, I'm pretty sure the doctor was like, oh, he's probably going to be fine. But maybe Sarah just didn't totally understand. So it's like simple things like that that can turn into absolute terror, you know, um, when in reality, the doctor was maybe trying to be reassuring oh, yes. whatever, <laughs> just because you can't fully understand everything that's being said. So, um, you know, it can seem like a small thing, but it, it really does make an impact. But anyway, so I think those are some of the things that we're going to miss, obviously. I mean, the language is a, is a kind of obvious one, but even some of the foods and just little small points here and there, um, even just like fitting in. I mean, here in America, you can kind of hide because you're just an American and nobody really cares. They're just like, you know, stay out of my way, leave me alone, whatever. I mean, that may not be a good thing, but that's what it is. But in Japan, you are not Japanese. And no matter how well you speak Japanese, you will never blend in. Right. It's like uh, like Herbie from um, you'll Rudolph. never fit in. You'll never fit in. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you'll never fit in. You won't um, because you're not Japanese. And so that being the case, um, you know, people just kind of pay attention to you. People watch you, especially and, with the kids. Yeah, like people definitely. Watch us. That was actually on my list of things I'll miss is being able to eat at a restaurant without people watching us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like people stare at you. They're they like, do. And I'm really I'm so thankful that it is a culture that feels positively towards us yes. because it could be way yeah, worse. They're not staring so, at us because they're like, why are you here? Right. So that's why this is on our, our fluffy list of yes. things. Um, but yeah, I, it, I am, I get super self-conscious and even if they're watching us for good reasons, um, it still makes me really self-conscious. Actually, I was just thinking after Boston was born, we were at some park and a group of high schoolers came over and they were looking at Boston. And one of them said in Japanese, like, oh, it's my first, the first white baby I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is crazy yeah. to me, to yeah. us as Americans, to imagine there being some race that we haven't seen. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. We're but, the melting pot. Right. But we draw attention and yeah. for better or worse, that's just how it is so it is nice to be back in the states and realize like wow no one is looking no one could care less that i'm right here yeah yeah it's kind of you know some solace sometimes in that sometimes you just want to be sort of left alone so those are some of the things that we'll miss again just shallow stuff it's not really a big deal but it is there um but there are also some things that we're really excited about some things that we really look forward to and again shallow stuff Mostly it's food. <laughs> Tell um, us what yours is, Leslie. At least that's what mine is. Mine's mostly food. But uh, it is there. So I'll tell you one thing for me, one big food for me is sushi. I love sushi. And I know this is kind of one of those things for Americans that's really, it's a pretty big divide. I know some people <laughs> who just hate it and think that's disgusting and I would never eat raw fish. And other people are like, oh, I love sushi. Um, but I do. I love sushi. And I love going to the conveyor belt sushi places. I mean, I know it's cheap. And maybe not that great, but I love it. I mean, I don't know know much of a difference, to be honest. Like, it and would blow you guys' minds, probably. You should all come visit us and yes. go to Conveyor Belt Sushi with yes, Leslie. Yes, it is. It's fun. It's fun, number one, but it's also, like, it's, yeah, it's 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 a neat experience. And I think all of our Japanese friends think that we're just, like, low-class idiots <laughs> for that. But, you know, whatever. And that's that's one of the nice things. That's also something I look forward to. In Japan, you can get away with stuff because you're a foreigner. Right. I mean, it doesn't even if you're not an idiot, not even, anything bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't mean like, you know, you're going to get away with a crime like you won't get away with crime necessarily, but just stupid little faux pas or whatever. Right. That you will get away with because you're a foreigner, even if you know better, even if they know that you know better, you're still a foreigner 
And they're pretty much going to kind of give you that grace, right? Just because you're a foreigner. And so you can do some stuff that other people like would never get away with, but that you can get away with and people aren't going to be angry at you. So, um, you know, again, like going to the conveyor belt sushi place, like all the time is they kind of just look at you and think, ah, you crazy foreigner. And that's sort of it. Um, but anyway, sushi, that's one thing that I am definitely excited about. Um, Sarah, are there any foods that you're excited about? I, on cold, like drizzly nights, I really, really miss going to the ramen restaurant in our town. We would just walk down there as a family and it was just so warm and so filling and tastes unlike any ramen you've had in the States probably. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It is. It's delicious. Their ramen is so good at that place. And again, I think that's like a cheap place. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just like a cheap chain restaurant, but whatever. It's amazing to us because like we don't have that here. I actually just went the other day with my brother to a restaurant and had some ramen. And, you know, this place was downtown here in Pensacola. And it was it was fine. I mean, it was pretty good. Um, but it was definitely more expensive than this place. And it was not as good as the cheap place in Japan, you know. And it just makes sense. I mean, obviously, it's an Asian food. But, yeah, I love their ramen. Like Sarah said, especially when it's a cold winter day, you go over there. In fact, I don't think we pretty much ever went there during the summer. Yeah, But, you know, so. we really didn't very much. But during the winter man it hits the spot um and also i think we all love all of all of our family loves tonkatsu tonkatsu is a fried pork cutlet and um man it's amazing they you know they they bread it but they use like the panko crumbs so it's really crispy and uh, there's a place actually at the sky tree that we like to go it is my favorite restaurant yeah, probably possibly in the world <laughs> yeah it's i mean it is it's really really good um so we love going there and, uh, and it's not a cheap place. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one, yeah, <laughs> that one's actually not all that cheap. It's not like crazy expensive or anything, but it's not, you know, it's not just the McDonald's little... of Japan. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's not just like a, a cheap train, uh, cha- train, blah, chain restaurant. There we go. I can speak. Um, you know, see, that's the thing. I can't even speak English. So I don't know why I'm worried about Japanese. Anyway, um, so yeah, but I think some other things that I'm excited about too, um, even just getting around. I mean, here, you know, we only have one car right now. And so if one of us wants to do something on the same night that the other person wants to do something, like maybe if Sarah has a friend that she's going to go have coffee with or something, well, you know, if I'm watching the kids, that's great, but then I can't go anywhere with the kids because she might need the car or something along those lines. But there, you know, even if Sarah, you know, let's say we have a car, I mean, I don't know when, when, or if we will get a car, but even if we did have one and Sarah needed it, she could take it, but I could still go with the kids on the train and go pretty much anywhere I needed to go to. So, you know, just the train travel. Um, I don't always like the trains. I will say that sometimes that's something that I don't like because especially at rush hour and especially during the rainy season, being packed on there with people, I hate that. I despise it. Um, but when it's empty, <laughs> it's not, you know, <laughs> packed with people, um, then it's actually really nice. It is you know? so nice because you can just sit there and like be on your phone or read a book. Or I've like brought crochet on the train before and crocheted yeah. scarves on the train. Yeah. So In you fact, don't have to steer. So you're you're free. Yeah. And and nobody really wants to talk to you. I mean, if you're on the train, like it's kind of a faux pas to talk to people. Like it's kind of just like mind your own business, basically. So, you know, if you're doing your own thing, pretty much nobody's going to care, especially in Tokyo, because Tokyo is just, you know, such a cosmopolitan area. So people are doing different things anyway. Um, Basically, as long as you're not making a lot of noise and uh, taking up too much space, I mean, you know, they're going to be fine. 
So that's some of what we're uh, excited about. And I think both Sarah and I have many other things perhaps we could talk about here that we're excited about, as well as things on on all of the different emotions. Honestly, we could talk about this for hours, I, I imagine, because there really is a lot to think about and process when you're talking about the emotions of moving overseas and bringing your family there and dedicating yourself to long-term missions. Um, and honestly, we're pretty fortunate because in our case, we're going to a first world country where things are clean and safe. And uh, I mean, living there is really fairly comfortable. I mean, there are a lot of differences for sure. There's definitely things that we give up and emotions that we deal with in this process, but it's fairly easy compared to some other countries where it's not clean, it's not safe. And you can imagine bringing your family into those countries as well would only add to the emotions that we've been talking about in this episode. So hopefully this episode has given you idea, an idea not only of what we're thinking about and what we're processing in terms of emotions, but also what other missionaries, maybe missionaries that your church is supporting or that you know personally, maybe this has given you a little bit of a glimpse into some of the things that they might be dealing with as well. And maybe that can help you in encouraging them and uh, just being an encouragement to missionaries in general, both us and, and others. But uh, again, I hope this has been a helpful episode. But before we close out, there is one passage that I want to read, which is connected to what we've been talking about in this episode, I think. And um, it's something that has resonated with both me and Sarah as we have gone through this process. And that passage comes from Mark chapter 10 and verses 23 through 31. That's Mark chapter 10 and verses 23 through 31. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. That verse, as I said, just really resonates with us on a very deep level. And I think it does probably for a lot of of missionaries out there. As we think about why we are giving up some of the things and dealing with some of the emotions that we are dealing with. Um, You know, we've talked about obviously leaving our family and yet Jesus here calls us to do that if we want to follow him. Um, And obviously that's not to say every single person has to leave their family, but my point is we all have to be willing to give something up if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus. And for us, there are some things here at home that we would have liked to have had ourselves that are involved in that process. And again, I think for us, we really have it easy in comparison to so many people because not only is it safe in Japan and clean and we have a lot of things we love about the country, 
but it's also really easy to get there. Now it's expensive, but at least it's easy. You can get there in a single flight from, you know, Boston and Dallas and some other cities in America. And I know there's many places out there where that's not the case. You know, you can't just get on a plane and go. It's a long, difficult trip and maybe even dangerous. And so, you know, we're really thankful to be able to live in a place where that's not the case, um, where it's pretty easy to get there and, and so on. But um, still, we do have to think about some of these things. And I think that's something that all of us need to process if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ. We all have to decide that there's things that we're ready and willing to give up if he calls on us to do so, so that we can serve him and serve the gospel and serve his kingdom. And, and that's what we want to do. So, you know, again, and I, I love the fact that Jesus draws out in this point too, that it's not just that you give these things up, you do give them up, but he also points out that you will get back in return, right? I mean, I was thinking the same thing, just how gracious he is to not just demand something from us, but to be so caring and loving to us that in return, he says, I'm going to give you so much better than what you're giving up. So trust me, listen to me and know that I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. And this actually ties into something Sarah said earlier too. She was talking about um, one of the ladies at the Monsado church and how she looks forward to hugging her again and seeing some of these people. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Like, you get this family in return. Yes, you have to give up some things behind you, but you're going to get something in return. And the great thing is the thing that you're getting in return isn't just here and now. It's eternal. These people will eternally, forever, be our brothers and sisters. And, and on top of that, for our family, because our parents you know, are, are Christians, we get to have that relationship with them as well for eternity. So that's even a, a greater blessing, I think. It's hope all around. <laughs> that's right. It's just hope all around. But, you know, we get that blessing through serving Jesus. And that doesn't mean it's always easy. And, and so I say all of this not to laud ourselves at all, but rather to encourage you to think if there's some area in your life that maybe there's something you need to give up to serve Jesus, I would encourage you to make that decision as well. You know, that doesn't mean deny the emotions, but you try to process them and deal with them and move forward to serve him in the way that God is calling you to serve. Um, and he will reward you. That's his promise. You're going to get something back in return and it's going to be even greater. And so, um, you know, I hope that all of us will be willing to do what we need to do to serve the gospel and uh, to be disciples of Jesus. But anyway, thank you guys so much for uh, listening to this episode. We hope Again, that has been encouraging, maybe helpful, and um, certainly would ask for your prayers continually as we continue to try to deal with these emotions. And not just for us, but for our kids as well and our family, um, just everybody. There's a lot of emotions that everybody is going to have to be processing. And so please be praying for us as we do that, that we'll do it in a fruitful way that will help us to be uh, better servants. So. And uh, in case I didn't say it already, please make sure to check out our website. That's tailorsinjapan.com. And if you go there, you can find out lots of more information about our work as well as sign up for our newsletter because we do have that, that written newsletter that we'll send out in your email inbox. And so if you want to sign up for that, you can go to our website. There's an easy form to fill out and you'll get that right in your inbox and be able to see pictures and other things as we post those over time. Um, and if you want to support us, if you want to partner with us in this work, you can find out how to do that there as well. 
thank you guys again so much for your time. Um, thank you for, for listening, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. But until then, this is Leslie. And Sarah. And uh, thanks again for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time.